with you, especially if we haven't had a chance yet. I'd love to tell you uh, just how God kind of has walked us through this whole process of starting a church and what he's been doing, and because a lot of things that I get to see and hear about that you guys don't on a regular basis, and it's, that's, that's what excites me, is being able to tell you guys what God is doing. And so one of the things that we love to do around here is we love to highlight uh, certain people for serving, because what we do takes a lot of manpower and woman power and kid power and all the powers, and uh, we can't do what we do without you guys. And so uh, I want to highlight today DJ Kimmy, who's right back here on our soundboard. Uh, uh, by the way, here's what's my favorite part about this. None of these people ever know that I'm going to be doing this, so they're always like, like their initial face is like, oh no, he's talking about me. Anyway, I just got to tell you real quick, DJ is the type of guy who when we started this, he's like, what do you need? And we're like, I don't, we need a lot of stuff. Can, uh, can you run sound? He's like, I think I can do that. I'm pretty sure I can do that. And so we, we, we train him up and now he's a regular back on the soundboard. And so DJ, man, thank you for your willingness to serve, your heart for Jesus and all that you do around here. We love you, man. Thank you. And uh, you too can have your picture up here on the screen. Uh, we do need more volunteers. We need specifically, we need some people to help with our kids' ministry. And so we, our kids are growing. We were added a new ministry to our fourth, fifth, and sixth grade students. And if you want to help out with little ones, if you want to hold babies, or you want to color pictures of Jesus with kids, and, and, and knowing the whole time as you're either holding a child or coloring a page or playing a game or whatever it is, that you are changing, the, you are altering the future of that child. Because what you're doing is laying a foundation for that child to hear about Jesus and know Jesus and, Lord willing, one of these days accept Jesus as their Savior. And so uh, it's such a crucial area. If that's something you would be willing to help us out in, please fill that card out that Ben told you about and just let us know, hey, I want to serve somewhere. You could even write on there, kids ministry. Or whatever it is. You want to greet, you want to make coffee, you want to help DJ back there on the sound. We've got a place for you, okay? So... Uh, you can do all that. I'm going to give you guys a chance at the end of the sermon um, to do something. And I'm just letting you know now so you can kind of let it stew in, in your brain a little bit. And I'm going to give you guys a chance to be what I call hot, honest, open, and transparent. And if that is something that the Spirit is just working on you today, and you're like, I don't know if he is, but he might, he might. If he is, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end to kind of share and so I'll tell you more about that later, uh, but just know that that's coming, okay? Let's pray. God, we look forward to how you're going to move in this room this morning. Holy Spirit, we say that you are wanted and welcomed here. You have a word for us. And what's even crazier about that is you have a word, I think, individually for all of us. And there may be things that I say that hit directly, and there, be, there may be things that I say that, that you use in people's lives this morning to hit in a way that I didn't even intend. That's your power. That's your ability. And so we pray, whatever it is, we welcome it. We want you. We need you. Speak to us during this time in Jesus' name. Amen. There was an old lady 
who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. Perhaps she'll die. Well, then she decides in order to catch the fly, she needs to swallow a spider. And then in order to catch the spider, she needs to swallow a bird. And in order to catch the bird, she's got to swallow a cat. And in order to catch the cat, she's got to swallow a dog. And in order to catch the dog, she's got to swallow a goat, which I am not sure how that works, but that's what she did. And in order to catch the goat, she's got to swallow a cow. And in order to catch the cow, she has to swallow, well, obviously, a horse. There was a lady who swallowed a horse. She's dead, of course. That nursery rhyme is a little bit funny and all weird, uh, as most nursery rhymes are. It's a little funny, mostly weird, and 100% true of what the Galatians were doing when Paul decided to take pen to parchment and write a letter to everybody he knew and loved to the churches that were in Galatia. They had started off great, but they had started swallowing bad theology, swallowing bad practices, swallowing bad religion. And it started off small, but it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it eventually was going to kill them. And it started off small with, with them following just some, you know, some Jewish calendar dates and, and festivals and things like this. And then it got a little bit bigger and they were following rituals and, and, and practices and regulations. And then all the way to the point where some of these people were being talked into as adults being circumcised. Because that's how you really prove that you're in covenant with God. Or so they thought. Just little by little each step a little bit bigger than the one before, and it was getting to the point where it was going to kill them. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Galatians, is writing them, pleading with them, like, man, you shouldn't have swallowed the fly to start with, but since you did, just stop. Stop already before we get to the horse, because it's not going to go well for you in any way. And so let's pick up in Galatians chapter 4, where we left off last time, in verse 21. And he says this, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? Now, I love Paul's sort of approach here, okay? Because he takes the approach that a lot of us as parents who have teenagers... Maybe you would have an unruly teenager who gets to the point where they just storm downstairs and they're like, that's it, I've had it, I'm tired of living under this roof, I'm moving out on my own, right? Like most of us who have teenagers, I think we would respond the way Paul's responding here. And we would be like, oh, okay, so you want to move out on your own. Do you have any idea what it's like to live on your own? Let me tell you what it's like to live on your own. Because one, you got to live somewhere, which means you got to pay you got to pay rent. And, and uh, my guess is you are going to want to, you know, use your time up watching some shows and stuff that you like, which means you got to buy your own Hulu account and your own Netflix account because you're not leeching off of mine anymore, right? And, oh, you gotta, you got to have something in order to watch that, okay? You can get a TV, but probably you're going to need a phone or a tablet or something, and those cost money. 
And then in order to, to have that, you're going to have a monthly service in order to have that. And then that unruly teenager is like, that's fine. I've done the math and I can afford all that. And you're like, that's great. You still haven't eaten. Unless you plan on walking around naked, you're going to have to buy clothes. Unless you plan on walking around, you're going to have to buy something to get around. And so that parent essentially is like, so you want to move out. But do you have any idea what it's like to be moved out? That's literally what Paul is saying to the Galatians. So tell me, those of you who want to be under the law, do you even know what the law says? Are you even familiar with what it means to be under the law? Let me help you explain. That's basically what Paul is saying. Here's what happens when you willingly move out of God's grace. Just like that teenager wants to move out of mom and dad's house. Paul saying, when you move out of God's grace and you move into the law, the first thing and the most important thing that happens to you is your will replaces God's will. What you want replaces what God wants for you. What you want to do replaces what God wants you to do. Where you want to go replaces where God wants you to go. And how you want to live replaces how God wants you to live. That's the first thing that goes when you move out of the grace of God and move into the law. He, he continues in verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons. So Paul is going to uh, use a, a story from Genesis to further illustrate his point, which he does often. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of the promise. These things may be taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves this is Hagar, okay? So Paul, he goes all the way back to Genesis to prove his point. It's not the first time he'll do it. It's not the last time he'll do it. He's talking to people who, who didn't grow up under God's laws. These were Gentiles. These were Greeks who happened to hear the gospel of Jesus and accept it. And, and these Jewish people were moving into the church and bringing all of their Jewish requirements and regulations with them. And they were teaching the Gentiles, hey, that faith in Jesus is good and all, but you also have to do this. And you also have to do that, because that's real faith. And they were doing it. And Paul goes back to, to the beginning. He goes back to Genesis and tells the story of Abraham and Abraham's children. So if you don't know that story, that's fine. Let's do a fast version of it, okay? Remember, God comes to Abraham, and he gives Abraham the promise. And he says, Abraham, you're going you're gonna to be my guy. Like, you're my guy, okay? Like, I'm gonna, I'm, you're going to have faith in me. That faith is going to count you as righteous. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you out. You're going to have a child, and that child's going to have a lot of kids, and those kids are going to have even more kids. Your descendants are going to be, you can't even count them. And I'm going to bless you beyond blessing. I'm going to bless everybody that blesses you, and I'm going to curse everybody that curses you. Like, it's a huge promise to Abraham, okay? And then Abraham and his wife Sarah start to wonder if God really meant that promise. Because here's the thing about Abraham and Sarah, his wife at the time, when God says, you're going to have a kid, 
they were old, y'all. And I don't mean like they were just, you know, old. they were old. They were past the child having years. Okay, and so they're like, God says I'm going to have a kid? <laughs> okay, all right. And so they doubted God's promise. How many of you guys ever felt like God made you a promise, either directly or indirectly through Scripture, and because of the length of time it's taken him to fulfill that promise, you doubted him? Anybody? Or is that just me? I feel like that's my life over and over again. Like, God, I felt like you said this, and then it's been like a year. It's been two years. It's been three years. It's been ten years. Maybe God didn't make that promise to me. Or maybe he did, but then you start thinking this. Maybe I screwed it up somehow. Maybe I did something, and God took it back, and oh, yeah, of course, it was me. Dang it, right? Like, you have that thought. And Abraham and Sarah are like, God said we were going to have a kid, but mm, I don't see that happening. So here's what Sarah does. Sarah goes to Abraham and says, hey, take my maidservant, Hagar, because she's a whole lot younger than me, and sleep with her, and maybe you'll have a kid that way, because you ain't having a kid this way. It ain't happening. Let's be honest. She hadn't been able to have a kid, and she had a long life trying. And so that's what Abraham did. He slept with Hagar, and Hagar had a son, and his name was Ishmael. And then, wouldn't you know it, a little while later, just as God promised, Sarah gets pregnant by Abraham and has a child, and that child's name is Isaac. So you have Ishmael and you have Isaac. In case you're wondering, does this mean, like, if my wife and I are having trouble having kids, I can sleep with her friend? No. That's not what that means. And you're like, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that doesn't make sense. Like, why would God be okay with Abraham sleeping with Hagar? Listen, he wasn't. And he's not. Just because God blesses a situation that you're in, a life stage, or a situation that you're in, does not mean that God approves of that life situation or stage that you're in. You're like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. Here, here's, this, this is true. I'm going to tell you two things that can be true. It's entirely true that God can approve of what you are doing and bless you because of that. That is 100% true. You know what else is true? It is true that God can bless you and also disapprove of what you're doing. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense. Why on earth would God bless me if he did not approve of what I was doing? Because it's his story he's writing, not ours. It's his glory that he is worried about getting, not worried, but that he has promised to get out into the world. It's his story that he's telling, not ours. So that means God can and use you and use us in our sin for his glory. So just because God blessed what happened here doesn't mean that he approved that, okay? So just because there are people in the Bible that had 20 wives doesn't mean you can have 20 wives, right? God, God's very clear on, on what he approves of and what he doesn't approve of. So you have Ishmael who represents our will, 
right, represents the flesh, represents doing things our way. God said we're going to have a kid, but we can't understand how we're going to have a kid. I think I know how we can have a kid. And so they, they solve the problem themselves. Ishmael represents our flesh, represents doing things our will. Isaac, on the other hand, represents the promise, represents God's will, represents God saying, I don't care if it is completely impossible for you to have a kid at your age. I said you were going to have a kid. And look, you had a kid. Isaac represents the promise, doing things God's way. And Paul is trying to show the Galatians the difference between living life as a slave and living life of freedom. We're all about freedom this weekend, aren't we? We love our freedom. We love to celebrate our freedom. Praise God and amen. Paul is illustrating to the Galatians, you can live a life of slavery or you can live a life of freedom. You can live a life of bondage or you can live a life of God's promise. Ishmael represented a life of slavery. He represented the bondage. He represented Mount Sinai, which is where, if you also remember, Moses led the people to Mount Sinai, and he goes on top of the mountain, and what happens on top of the mountain? God shows up and gives Moses the what? The Ten Commandments, the law. That's where God gave the law. And so Ishmael represents all of this. He represents man trying to do things in his own power, in his own way to get to God through the law. And Paul's setting this up the whole time, saying this is not going to work out because Isaac represents life of freedom. Isaac represents the freedom we have in life, the joy we have in life, the God's promises that we have. And it's freedom because it's not based on man's ability to fulfill it. It's based on God's ability to do it. What you thought was impossible, I made possible. You see the difference, Ishmael and Isaac? Look at verse 28. Now you brothers like Isaac are children of the promise. You are children of the promise. I came to you. I preached Jesus to you. You accepted him. You were children of the promise. You were living free, and you have been tying yourself to the law ever since. You have been willingly walking into bondage and slavery, and that's not you. That's not who you are. At least it's not who you should be, he's saying. You guys were doing great, and you've been working really hard at making this about you making this about your ability and what you can do for God. Verse 29, at, the, at that time, the son born in the ordinary way, that is Ishmael, persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. And it is the same now. It was the same when Paul was using this analogy, and it's still the same today. So Ishmael, he used to bully Isaac, okay? He was the older half-brother. And, and, and these two, they fought like the half-brothers that they were. Their descendants were known for fighting each other. Their descendants are still known for fighting each other. This is why we will never have peace in the Middle East, because Ishmael and Isaac are still going at it. They're still going at it. They were the original Hatfields and McCoys. Seriously. 
And get this, just like there was an original battle that started long ago in that family that is still being fought today, there was an original battle that started between living a life of freedom and living a life in bondage that is still going on today in our life, in your life. It's still going on in your life. And the Bible says in Genesis 21 that at one point Ishmael laughed at Isaac. He, he basically tormented him and, and bullied him. And uh, Ishmael, the flesh, is making fun of Isaac, the promise. He didn't understand him. The, the, the promise didn't make sense to the flesh. And isn't that the same still today? People of the flesh, they see people of the promise living life, and they look different to them. And it doesn't make sense. And so they ridicule them. And they're like, well, you're, I mean, even the Bible says that the way of Jesus is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's, it's like a bad odor to them. It's like, whoa, it kind of stands out like B.O. We don't get it. We don't understand it. Of course you don't. You don't stand it. You can't understand it until you're in it. And then you understand the freedom and the joy. Children of the flesh still think they have something to offer God. Children of the promise realize that Jesus Christ offered everything up for us. That's the difference. Verse, 20, uh, verse 30. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. So Ishmael, he laughs at Isaac. He, he makes fun of Isaac. He torments Isaac. And who do you think witnessed all that? Sarah. Sarah was very bitter towards Hagar, as you can imagine, because Hagar was able to give Abraham first what she never could, a child, a son. And then Sarah was able to give him a son. So as soon as Isaac was born, you can imagine the coldness that went on between Sarah and Hagar, especially when Hagar's son was bullying her son. And she literally says this in Genesis, get rid of the slave woman and her son. Ishmael will never share in the inheritance that my son Isaac has. And Paul is using the words of an extremely bitter mama bear to illustrate to the Galatians this truth about life and freedom and life and slavery. Sarah and Hagar battled one another. They were opposed to one another. Isaac and Ishmael were opposed to one another, and they still are. Life in the spirit and life in the flesh are opposed to one another, and they still are. There's still a battle there. The flesh will never share in the promise that is of the spirit. Just like Ishmael was never going to share in the promise, the inheritance that was Isaac's. And finally, verse 31. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. In other words, you're not a slave. Quit living like you are. You're free in Christ. Start living like you are. And here's a side note. Living free does not mean that you do whatever it is you want to do. You going through life, doing whatever it is you want to do, that's not freedom. That's actually slavery. 
you submitting yourself to authority, to God and others, that's actually freedom. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. That sounds backwards. The Bible is full of truths that get flipped whenever Jesus shows up. Jesus' kingdom, it truly is a kingdom upside down. Jesus says, you want to save your life? you got to lose your life. You want to be first? Then you be last. You want to live forever? Then die to yourself. You want to lead others? Then serve others. You want to stand tall? Then fall on your knees. You want to live with more freedom than you've ever had in your entire life? Then place yourself under the authority of God and under the authority of other people and be submissive. That's an upside-down kingdom. When you are a child of the slave woman, you will always be a slave. And when you're a child of the free woman, you will always be free. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 8. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He didn't say the truth is going to put you in handcuffs. He didn't say the truth was going to make you a, a, a slave. He said the truth will set you free. And you will live life freer than you have ever thought was even possible. And so here's what I want you guys to ask yourself. What has been enslaving me? What has been enslaving me? And here's what I want to do. I wanted to cut this a little bit short for a reason. So I'm going to pray. And then, uh, then I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, okay? We're not done yet. We're just, we're just praying. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this truth. God, it's so hard in our culture to, to live free. At least we think it is. Because we've got it all backwards what living free looks like. Living free, living in freedom doesn't mean nobody's my boss and I do whatever I want. God, we, 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 our culture thinks that, but our culture doesn't realize that is the worst type of slavery, just living for ourselves. God, help us understand through your spirit that true freedom comes from recognizing, one, who we are. We are children of freedom if we are in Christ Jesus. And because of that, we can live accordingly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.